0: welcome to the Irish NFL show. Thank you for listening. And if you're enjoying the show, please vote with your fingers and rate, review or subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Every click, every like and every positive review and every additional subscriber really does make a huge difference. It helps others to find the show and we really do appreciate it. We'd also love to see you at our upcoming live show at Busker's On The Ball Temple Bar in Dublin on August 21st with our special guest, Sky Sports NFL analyst, Phoebe Schechter. Full details on the website and on our social channels, and tickets are available on eventbrite.ie. We'd love to see you then, now, on with today's show.
1: Welcome into the Irish NFL show. We are edging ever close to the start of preseason games this weekend. Sky Sports are showing three games, two on Saturday and one on Saturday. Uh, I'm delighted to have Cameron Hogwood joining me from Sky Sports to discuss the upcoming season, we're going to focus in particular on the NFC East and a few other teams in the NFC. Cameron, great to have you here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. And it was since you're on the show, so we're delighted to have you back and have you back at a, a really busy period in the league. It's, we just touched on before we started recording, like every day there's an evolving story. You, you turn your phone away for an hour and by the time you come back, there's something else out there.
0: Yeah, that's the, uh, the nature of training camp and I guess it's weird because I think it's maybe through June and, and maybe May as well. It seems like the NFL has gone to sleep a little bit and then all of a sudden it wakes up and, which is great for us, there's more talking points. And like you say, unfortunately, with, with training camp comes injuries, comes still business to be done, I think, with, with some teams still looking around for for last minute acquisitions and still some teams figuring out who's playing where. I mean, I, I found it interesting yesterday that the Bucs released their first depth chart and under quarterback it was baker mayfield or carl trask so teams are still even though we're a few weeks away teams are still got big decisions to make which is really interesting to see how that unfolds
1: yeah i'll just tap into that one because we have uh, andrew morgan a uh, great britain uh, coach he just come on every time to time and he's a books fan and last week on, on the podcast he was sharing his wisdom of where the books are in terms of quarterback position and, and you're right like he he very much called it out, this is not like um, one of those, it's an open competition but it's not really an open competition, he very much sees it as, Colin Trask has every opportunity to win this position um, it, would it be a bit of a another come down in the banker Mayfield CB, if he wanted to win this, let this uh, this play out and he wins the position
0: yeah, yeah, I think so, I think for, for a number one pick if you, if you don't win this job, it, I think it it's probably speaks volumes as to where your career's gone I still think there's a chance for Baker Mayfield to to salvage something from his career. I mean, look at the end of the day, he's an NFL quarterback. He's doing what a lot of people don't do coming out of college. The only difference is there's enormous pressure with his profile and, and how good he was when he came out of college as well. And I, I kind of go back to that that one kind of that first Rams game he played last year, where he threw that game-winning touchdown. And I was like, oh wow, maybe maybe there is still something there. But I just it's an interesting situation. I think that whole offense has to be tailored around him I think the best of Baker Mayfield was when he was bootlegging rolling and throwing on the run and maybe they go back to that I don't know we've heard enough positives about Carl Trask to, to really believe he's he's the guy I think there was there was a few accuracy issues coming out of college and yeah look but I agree I think this is very much an open open competition for that job
1: yeah, that Thursday night game I think you're referring to against the Raiders in which he, he didn't do very little. He did very little for three and a half quarters and then he examined examined the fourth quarter with that late and, and essentially ends the Raiders season there. You're touching on players that are on the bubble in the sense of uh, potentially looking for a new team and, and we're interested in one there. And we we joked about, you know, the nature of where we're at in the league. There's so much news so quickly. And Kareem and Hunt yesterday like looked like uh, for an Irish press he was going to sign for the Saints. And then... An hour later, he's uh, he's had a good meeting, as they say, but he's he's now travelling to the Colts, and I'll just throw in the Colts quickly before we are going to move on to the NFC and the Giants, and the take her in a second. But like the Colts are such an unusual position. It's a strange one coming up yesterday. That Jonathan Taylor has been excused for a period of time, and they didn't, haven't really kind of divulged like, why. I think we all know why in terms of he wants doesn't want to be there. And then Kareem is coming in in his own way. It's still a very good running back. Are they kind of putting steps in place now just in case he can't? solves this situation and they do have to trade him. I think that's what it sounds like, yeah. I mean, the, the Kareem
0: Ham one is interesting in the first place because it was almost like whoever throws the most dollars that are running back these days, you, you've got a good chance of of landing one of them. And yeah, I think Jonathan Taylor, they designated it as an ankle recovery, which, I mean, I don't know how I've hurt his ankle is. I think there's a there's more to that. But yeah, it is a weird one of the because you fall out of your number one running back and you go and get Kareem Hunt I don't know if that's a, how, what kind of message that sends to to the guy you're trying to keep in Jonathan Taylor Kareem Hunt is a good player but he's no Jonathan Taylor who doesn't give you those explosive dynamic players that Jonathan Taylor did that that spearheaded that offence at times And that that's where that running back conversation gets a little bit murky because you have to differentiate between a, a good running back who will make a difference and also a running back who is the heartbeat of your offence and I think that's what you have in Jonathan Taylor and that's why it's such a difficult conversation and it's it's very unfortunate that this has kind of come out this off season where this running back market has collapsed almost and yeah like you say it's the Jonathan Taylor one you don't really know what to expect next or or from what Jim Mersey is going to say or how the Colts will deal with this.
1: I kicked off the podcast saying we were going to have an NFC East focused podcasting yet yeah, because of the nature of where we're at this, this time of year with so many stories, we quickly moved off onto a few. But we are going to jump into the Giants. And you touched on the running back market there. And Saquon Barkley was probably one that surprised people in the sense of he didn't, like, it looked enough that he would hold out for a few weeks. I don't think Giants fans, us being Giants fans, were already concerned with that in the sense that we recognized why he would do it. And, but ultimately, I, we all believed he'd still be there come. Maybe middle of August, late August, but he he signs the one-year contract. He gets a little bit of a, an incentive-driven piece on top of the the contract which he, which was on the table originally. Do you buy into Saquon? Right, has Saquon kind of pulled ranks in the sense that he's recognised he's kind of wants to brought himself, but there was a mismanagement of the situation from from his agents. He swaps agents, and ultimately he's the kind of player that wants to be around the team, wants to be around Daniel and Shane, and, and recognised that. The Giants right now are in a positive position, going in the right base, and he wants to be part of that.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think he he recognizes in the coaching staff and the team, they very much value him and want him to be around. I think it's the nature of the market is is really setting back a little bit, and there's, there's only so much a team can do to not compromise itself, I think, in that situation. The interesting thing with his contract is the incentives... He had an incredible season last year and still didn't reach what he would need to reach to qualify for these incentive this year, which is, uh, that doesn't send the best message to, to a star player. And like I say, a little bit of a Jonathan Taylor situation where our entire offense last season was, was built around getting safe on the ball or getting him in space and allowing him to, to run up past uh, defenders in the open field. And I, I don't know if it's more of a pulling rank thing or more of a him looking around and thinking, Look, if this is happening here, what what chance have I got of getting anything better anywhere else? And I think probably one thing that comes into conversation is the franchise tag. Maybe needs to change for a running back. They maybe need to to address that how how that works with a running back because you could be playing for a year, and it's the most one of the most injury prone positions in football. It's very different to a wide receiver being franchise tagged. You could get to him in a year, and halfway through, you 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 ruptured your knee and any chance of a payday or another deal elsewhere goes out the window. And I think that's something, I mean, we say that, but the NFL PA addressed it and they, they agreed this, this deal and they agreed the tag, etc. So maybe it's something I have to go back to, but I think, I think he realized this is his team. He's got a good chance here of getting all the carries he wants, being, being a central, a focal point of this offense. And that, that's what he wants to be. He wants to, to be the main part. He wants to be in a team that believes they can win. And I think. The Giants are, are giving off that vibe that they, they feel like they they can start to win these days and become perennial playoff team.
1: Yeah, I, I appreciate the, the sentiment around you know, maybe reviewing the running back mark in the sense of the tag, but I think you're kind of opening doors then to other positions at some stage that become valued within the league. And do, do you find your the NFLPA PA in there having a difficult conversation? Well, we've done it for running backs, etc.? But um I listened to an unnamed podcast this week in which they said the Giants wide receivers random when what they've done and, and they throw in Darren Waller one this conversation are above average and I, I was taken back by it because maybe I'm slightly blinkered but I feel that where the Giants from where we were last season to where we, were, we are now with the likes of Paris Campbell's at the, the water trade and even the like the in terms of the X and O's element that teams now are going to have to you know be more focused around what Jalen Hyatt if he could step up immediately or whether it's just kind of a transition to the team but if you if you're to buy into what you see on the, on the camp stuff, he looks like he's having a very explosive time. Um, like, there's more weapons there, more, I suppose, at that is all disposable. Is that, like, benefiting Saquon? Like, this seemed last year were stacking the box so much to kind of to snuff Saquon, which you touched on there, was our main focus point in the offense. And we, we're going to... Is it unreal? Is it for the additional the Santos, bearing in mind that he likely will have a much better season because offenses have to come... Sorry, the defenses have to kind of factor in all these new players that have come into the team?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think you've hit an hour ahead there. That, that's the idea of what they've done. I think it was interesting to see at the end of last season. I mean, Saquon started so well, I think. i kind of running into that London game and then the last few weeks past that as well, he was kind of, his yards per carry were around five yards per carry, I think, which is which is really good for, for a running back at, in, in the NFL. And the, down the stretch, it started to decline a little bit teams started to feel the box and kind of catch on to well, is not—it's not a secret what the Giants want to do, but I think they started to kind of catch on a bit more in the final kind of weeks of the season, and the yards per carry started to decline a little bit. So the Giants probably looked at that and thought, right, how, how can we stretch the field? You can't be a good offensive without having a free-free level offense these days. So what you have in Darren, Darren Waller is kind of that short to intermediate routes. Jalen Hyde, I think, is is going to combine with with Darius Slayton and being that that deep threat where where they try to. Let Daniel Jones let it rip downfield, which we maybe haven't seen as much as Daniel Jones is capable of. Because if you look at his deep throw stats, they're, they're very good. And he just doesn't get to shut off as much, I don't think. So yeah, I, I think we'll see a much more diverse, uh, explosive Giants offense this year. And then, like you say, it will free up Saquon more in the box. Uh, teams like to drop two these studies, They like, like these uh, two high safety coverages, these shell coverages. And, and teams didn't have to play that as much against the Giants last year because injuries and, and kind of limited personnel meant that everything went, all ran through Saquon Barkley. So I think we'll we'll force defences to be a bit more honest this year. I'm really excited about Jalen Hyatt. He's looked incredible in training camp. To make your training camp what you will. But he's looked very good and very confident soccer. i I'm been very impressed with the way he's, he's spoken. And I've kind of enjoyed that that Joe Shane and Brian Baywell have gone out and plucked every available slot receiver in, in, in uh, possibly in the free agency market. So yeah, Jameson Crowder, Cole Beasley, uh, Paris Campbell. That's not a bad little, little pool of, of players to make use of. And reliable pass catchers, you, you can't get enough of them. Yeah, and no, that's
1: where I was going to come to next because obviously. You know, as Paris Campbell, would I call him the marquee of the trade? I've signed him enough that he signed him very early on for free United It's not a substantial contract. I mean, it's very much a probate kind of deal for him coming after his season in the Colts. And there was some bright spots there. Cole Busy again, doesn't didn't surprise me in terms of the signing because it makes sense. He's he's, he's worked with Brian Ebel before. He understands the offense. Is he realistically, apparently, genuinely believe he can make the roster? Is it very much him going having to impress him in this, in this camp to make the roster? Or is it just more... Bring in the experience and kind of help other players understand and recognize what they're trying to do offensively. Like Grouder, he's had a he's really strong, like he's one of those players, he doesn't get maybe the respect he deserves, but when he played in Buffalo and the Jets, he's been a really strong player and he's good on the special teams. Like, is he given to make the spot? Is Colby's just the odd man out here? It's just very much, or do you think he's, he could really surprise us and surprise us even going into the season to be effective?
0: I wouldn't be surprised if he makes the roster just pure because of that Brian Daybell connection from, from Buffalo. But but I think I'd lean more towards Jameson Crowder on the account of he's been more active lately. I think Cole Beasley had a little bit of time off last season. So and I think Jameson Crowder is what you want in terms of those those crossing routes where Daniel Jones when he does roll out and he looks up Jameson Crowder is crossing the field and so too of Darren Waller. I think Col Beasley to an extent could, can, can replicate that as well but I think I'd it's interesting. I, I, I'd lean more towards Jameson Crowder making the roster. I wouldn't be surprised if Cole Bisley does, just purely because when's the last time you saw that guy drop a ball? I don't think he does. And uh, it's, the only thing I would let him down is kind of that like activity. And well, maybe the age as well, at this point.
1: Well, you touched on there around um, giving Daniel Jones to weapons and maybe we'll see a more explosive, expansive offense this year. That obviously tends to lead to Higher numbers, both passing yards, touchdowns, and never and the interceptions. Like, bear in the mind the contract that's out there. And unfortunately, people look at a contract, have their expectations of what a quarterback could do to earn that money. Like, what do we believe is a realistic season for, for Daniel Jones? Is it a return to the playoffs, maybe even finding his way into, into the uh, divisional round? Um, and that's probably from a team standpoint. But for, for, for him, like, what do you, what's the next? step as part of the growth here because he was so strong last season. It was very evident in the in the division around on the road in Philadelphia. There was no weapons around him to you know to keep to maintain. And when you're playing against a team and we're going to come to the, the other teams of the division, when you're playing against an expansive offence like the Cowboys have at times and the Eagles to kinda go into those games and battle and find yourself in shootouts thinking, I believe he's ready to do it. But well, from an outside look at him, what's the people going to think is a is a realistic a realistic season for Daniel?
0: Yeah, I think first of all, you have to get back to the playoffs with, with that contract and last season. I think that's a probably a minimum expectation, but then the, the strength of the division is kind of flipped in terms of what became a ridiculed division and is now a very strong one. So that that's probably come kind of at the worst time possible for Daniel Jones. but I think what what Giants fans would want to see and what that made probably more fans outside of the Giants want to see is if Daniel Jones win a game of his arm, I think, and look, that's not a necessity every single week because the Giants' success is built on that run game and that option game with Saquon and what he can do to, to kind of deceive the defence. I think when we, when we look at that Vikings game in the playoffs, Daniel Jones carried the team with his legs. And I think when it got to the Eagles game the next week, once the run had been shut down, I don't think there were too many answers. And look, you were playing against the, the eventual Super Bowl team and, and the Eagles who were incredible at the time but i think we'd like to see daniel jones when his arm more and i think he did that when when they came to london actually against the packers he was he was incredible he was his percentage uh completion percentage was awesome and the accuracy and the diverse passes he was throwing were always great and really encouraging i think that all you want to see him put his offense on his back a little bit more and, and maybe not need that wrong that run game at times to win games and he's in the unfortunate position where People like Patrick Mahomes have raised the bar to incredible heights for for a young quarterback. So you're always going to look to to people like that, and even Jalen Hurts to an extent, who who went toe for toe with Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. It, is that the level we we think Daniel Jones can reach? I think that's that's what they've paid him for. They clearly believe that that's the case. And yeah, I think a lot will ride on that offensive line, even though Adrick Thomas had a, a an exceptional year last year as one of the best left tackles in the league. I think Evan Neal still had a few teething issues. I think he'll come on this year and that will helped help Daniel Jones. So I think the answer to what to expect from him will come also from what the Giants have put around him to, to make this a more complete offence.
1: Yeah, you know, the Evan Neal factor really reminds me of Andrew Thompson this first year. Another difficult bumpy will be, won't be period. and then he, he kind of transitioned and has become the player which he is. I still have great confidence. So that's going to be what we'll see from Evan Neal. I just want it. Um, and you, you touched on there around um, winning the game to was arms, And I think people would kind of look at that as two-minute warning, down by three, down by four. Can you drive the team to win, win the game? But There was also an praise when I was last year. Baltimore home, the week after the Packers game, down by 10, 10, minutes to go. It 80-yard drive, Daniel Bellinger touchdown. Then, obviously, the game flipped on, on the interception. But there was times in which we had done that, albeit in different parts of the game. Still key points in the game. So it's very much there for him this season. Like, you want to just jump into the Eagles because... You touched on it there. The Giants are well beaten in the playoffs by the Eagles, who inevitably go to the Super Bowl. news to the Chiefs, and the one thing the Giants have maintained consistency is all the coaching. Like there was a lot of concern around whether after they would go, uh, Wink was in the in the running for the Colts job, and and the Eagles have lost both coordinators. You know, this this coming season, um, one to the Colts, obviously sent coaching to the Cardinals. I mean, should we be kind of factoring that into the conversation because people are kind of very much oh, the Eagles are there. They're going to re, you know re, return to the Super Bowl. It's inevitable that the, the offense which they have, but coaching matters in this league as they say and like the news are two and your coordinator like is Sirianni going to have to evolve further as a head coach or because I, I kind of got the sense he was very much reliant on the people he had around him last year which is good coaching you know you put the right people in, in your staff you, you you, know you get the, the justified r- rewards but is that something that we need to kind of keep an eye on with the Eagles like are people that are assuming they're going to have a fast start of the season is that a factor that we should be thinking about right now
0: yeah possibly I think there's always that transition period where offensive coordinator of leaves who has not masterminded but overseen what was one of the most dynamic and diverse kind of rushing ground game offenses in the league last year where they had kind of this, this multi-layered rpo scheme that nobody could seem to work out and naturally there there might be a fall off after that but i think nick sirianni kind of mirrored uh shane Steichen and what they wanted to do so i don't i wouldn't be too worried on the offensive side defensive side i'm not worried but i'm interested to see how Sean Desire who's come in replaces Gannon because I think if there was one blemish on the Eagles last year, it was Jonathan Gannon and maybe people people were unhappy of how little aggression he showed at times in terms of pressuring and blitzing. Didn't seem to hold a pressure at times, even though the Eagles led the league in in sacks. He was very happy to kind of drop men into coverage, rush with four or five where possible. I think at times the Eagles wanted him to evolve that, especially in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. How do you once plan A doesn't work against Patrick Mahomes, where was plan I I don't think. I think that was probably one of the the gripes with Gannon last year. So Sean this has come in and I think that the answer, the, the result of that might be an even more potent, more powerful Eagles defense. He, he's aggressive. He likes to blitz, not to an excessive extent, not to a Wink-Martin Dow level, which I don't think anybody does, but he'll uh, bring more aggression, a bit more of a different look to this Eagles defense. And, I think it's interesting with the defenses, different personnel this year, I think, when you look at the linebackers, Kobe Dean is the main inside linebacker now, and that's a big responsibility to take on. They've lost CJ Gardner-Johnson, uh, safety, that's another big loss, and interesting to see how they recover from that. But I do think, yeah, I'm interested to see how this, this Eagles defense differs from last year, because I think as every chance it could be even better.
1: Damn. Everything we stayed, they do they bring in, they bring in cooks. they, they t- make the trade for Gilmore. And looking back on that, the on that came back last January against, against the, uh, the Niners in Santa Clara, like that, that game was there for the Sanger for the Cowboys and they just didn't get out of the line. The defense played very well. Like, they haven't done a lot in three years, but they do make these trades. And once they're not really high-value trades, they haven't given a lot. It certainly has a feel as if they, they recognize that they're not far off. It'd be interesting to see how they transition. to the Mike McCarthy being the play caller with, with Kelly Moore moving.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that's one of the big factors that I looked at this this offseason. is Mike McCarthy taking back on those play calling duties. I think, how did they describe it? Something of a... Of a... A West Texas offense, or something, something along those lines, where they blended what McCarthy had done in Green Bay with with what Kellen Moore is effectively leaving behind. I think that's one just interesting factor. Uh, Brandon Cooks coming in, they they needed somebody like that. They needed another a receiver option. I think they probably realized that letting Amari Cooper go in it didn't help them to a great a great deal, and they didn't get a lot back. But yeah, interesting how different that offense looks now. I think with Tony Pollard kind of taking the reins, you see a more spread offense at times. I think where you can get him out in space and he's a different kind of runner to Ezekiel Elliott. I think that changes his offense as well. Uh, But yeah, I think you look to a guy like C.D. Lamb, he he is the main one now. The pressure's on him to to lead this Cowboys offense. And yeah, I mean, there's still question marks on that, that offensive line as well as to who might be there. Uh, I think they've got the luxury of when you look across the other side, Dan Quinn, who I think will walk into a head coaching job next year if he wants to, I think that you're looking at one of the best defenses in the league. Again, the way he's evolved kind of that like coverage into a, into a modern <laughs> two higher coverage from, from what he previously ran and the way they kind of replace blitzing with, with stunts in up front is every defense's dream in a league where you, you don't have to rush more than four or five. They're, they're managing to do that and create a, one of the highest pressure rates in the league. So, I think they'll be there or thereabouts. But, like you say, it's just it's getting over that line. And they, they seem to run into the 49ers and kind of run out of ideas. So, I, you never quite know with Dallas once they get to the playoffs. We can laugh about it because we don't want to see them succeed. But I, I'm happy. I'm a fan of that Prescott. I'd like, I'd like to see him do well and succeed. But, yeah, it's a, it's a different question once they get to that postseason, I think.
1: Yeah, you touched on Dan Quinn there, in fairness. Like, he could have had numerous opportunities over the past two years to take a role, and he seems to be very keen to stay on. I wonder if that role in terms of head coach being going to promise to him once Mike McCarthy moves on. I wonder if Mike McCarthy is on the hot seat this season, Brendan, with how how infectious Jerry Jones can be to see this team succeed. Um, I just want to touch You touched on defense there. Yeah, like Diggs, Hooker, you know, long-term contracts this offseason. Like, they very much are securing the future of the defense. You touched on Tony Pollard, and I was like, Tony Pollard's coming off quite a serious injury and he's one of the he was one of the running backs who really didn't get involved in this whole running back debacle in terms of the market throughout the obviously I think he recognised the tag was the right thing for him. Like there's huge expectations for him because Cowboys fans and, and you, you I'm sure you spoke to a few like they're very much oh Tony Pollard's great, he can on the on the decline. But it's a very different ballgame when you're expected to be the Bell cow running back, and that's what's going to be awesome of him coming off a serious injury. And I know the truth they've brought in a couple of running backs on the, on float under the, the right Drafted Vaughn Vaughan in four rounds. I mean, but like can not can cope with it? Can, like is is that a concern, is that a risk going into the season? Will we see Zeke come back? Because there's very much a lot of people out there feel that while Zeke is visiting certain teams and other teams are interested, he's holding off waiting for Cowboys to kind of return to the table and give him a smaller offer and he'll happily take it and come back. Do you think that's that's inevitable or do you think we're we're the a different direction?
0: I feel that's where we might be heading. I think he would have signed somewhere by now otherwise. But it's just can he come back and swallow the pride of of not being that number one and kind of being, okay Tony, this is you, we'll deal with you later and we'll we'll let you know what you're doing in a bit, so I think that's interesting but it's a good point on Tony Pollard I think it'll be a different look offence so where it won't be as as heavy on the run game where, where Kellen Moore really was keen to establish the run in order to earn the right to pass effectively, I think Mike McCarthy will put the ball back in the hands of Dak and, and put the responsibility back in him a little bit more. That's not to say that they won't over-exhaust their use of Tony Pollard because they will, and we've seen they will. They like to get him out in space and, and use him as a pass catcher. But yeah, it's a it's a different ballgame when you're you're jumping from maybe, I don't know, 40% of carries to, to 70% of carries. There's a similar case with Dalvin, could even in, in Minnesota where Alexander Matheson's now got a double his carries it in one season, having not done that since college. So there's that factor. But I think he just that home run speed, that ability to to make people miss in the open field. We like we see how defences like to defend and, and kind of force offences horizontally these days. And he's a guy that can once you force him outside, he has those jump cuts that can can get him back into space and get him north. So I think in terms of what the way modern defence, modern offence have moved he was always leaning towards tony pollard but making those cuts and kind of having that same kind of dynamism it is hard when you're coming back from an injury and especially when you have that pressure of it's you or or nobody else at this point and i know they like deuce thorn who's who has been scurrying between defenders for fun in, in their practice which were really fun to see i think this is yeah a huge year for tony pollard really excited to see him play because he's an explosive dynamic player and uh yeah he, he should ignite this offense
1: and of course the Giants host the Cowboys week one, Sunday night football, a late one for us this side of the world. Just gonna close out on, on the NFC's with the with the Washington commanders because for me they're very much a team a bit of an unknown about them this season. But we're gonna see Sam Hill who effectively is a, a rookie cornerback. He played the last weekend of the season last year against the Cowboys who were not playing the Stars, obviously focusing on the box wildcard game. And he had a he had a strong game and, and like a lot of people felt maybe during the offseason season that the commanders would go again in terms of Going to find a quarterback, whether they'd look to seek a trade with, with the Ravens. Obviously, it hasn't materialized with the Mar and the contract, but yeah, Owls may have the new ownership and, and everything that's gone on with the liner. Maybe that was, you know, an impact of what they were going to do as players on the team. I know they made some some uh, acquisitions on offensive line and, and the Chiefs and stuff. And Eric B. enemy up, he is the one that's come in now and he's going to run this offensive and, and that's the, the focus point. That's the question I have for you because a lot of nice things and we see loads of like first tra- narratives coming out of course camp but obviously people are simply be buying into the new love of having the RP enemy as the offensive coordinator with the commanders and is that a big thing that we're not going to factor into the division because like people always say it was Andy Reid's team and RP enemy was just there holding the clipboard but like, this is his opportunity. You know, say, like similar to Dan Quinn. he wants to be in empty he wants to be head coach in the league. this is his opportunity to shine with a young quarterback is and uh, what it's interesting what's going to come of that
0: yeah I think so he that is the big storyline for me in in Washington I think that marriage between Sam Howe and Eric Biennemi and I think Eric we will love the fact that he's got a young quarterback he can mold and kind of who hasn't really been touched yet in the in the NFL in terms of a scheme that's been imposed on him I think this is a chance to really start from almost not from scratch but start fresh with a with a young quarterback where you can kind of use him in his system and, and really prove to people that he wasn't just a yes man to Andy Reid and Look, there's a reason he was on that Chiefs team he wasn't just there to, to look pretty stand on the sideline next to Patrick Mahomes he, he is a smart intuitive uh, a really proactive offensive mind with creative ideas who no doubt contributed to to the Chiefs success over the last few years and I think it's it's been very unfair that he gets overlooked or, or kind of shunned as he has I think it was interesting actually this week Ron Rivera for some reason decided to come out and reveal that players were unhappy with how enemy had been talking to them. And my reply to that would be, well, look at how the Chiefs have done over the last few years and then understand if that's the right way to be spoken to. Him. And I'd probably say, yes, he's probably doing little wrong. But yeah, interesting offense. I think somehow they might be onto something with him. I think we didn't see the best of him early on in his NFL career. Obviously, naturally, tough situation to walk into. But when you look to him at North Carolina, especially when he had weapons around and when he had Javante Williams and Michael Carter in the backfield had the army Brown and I think it was Daz Newsom. where well, he had a full kind of menu of weapons he was a really effective quarterback and at one point we were looking at one of the, the very top quarterbacks coming out of the draft and it didn't happen that way but I think Washington feel like they'd found something in him and found somebody who can marry up with, with what the NFL wants these days in terms of a mobile quarterback You can throw on a run he can throw off script and, and off platform but then you can also integrate him, him in a, a run right, an option scheme where the run game has a heavy part in 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 the plan so yeah really looking forward to to seeing that and yeah it's a, an interesting one washington the defense always seems to be solid every year and i think of chase young coming back how does he come back from injury is he the same player that we saw in that rookie year where he was unstoppable at times that's another big factor so yeah, I think that they're, they're always. They seem to start quietly and then they seem to creep up towards the end of the season. Washington, in the last few years, and seems to almost catch the rest of us out. So yeah, probably the the most overlooked team in the league at the moment. I think.
1: Yeah, and um, I was very pleased. The the NFC East is very tough uh, in all the games. Uh, just want to close it with something on the AFC side, and and this week, Hard Knocks is back, and it's the Jets and. Was well, the Jets didn't want to do it? No, no team seemed to want to put their hand up in the air this year to take it on. But um, you know, it is being covered across Sky Sports um over the course of the next few weeks. Um, should we be buying the hype? Because I was fortunate to interview Brant James during the week. He booked for Came today in the States. He's a betting analyst, and we discussed the fact that the Jets are 14 to one to win the Super Bowl. And some people might think that's a, it's it's an overpriced, and that people should be putting certainly considering an investment. He he didn't buy into. He thinks it's a very much a, it's a bit robust scenario. There's no middle ground well here. And he, he kind of touched on the fact that was Jets fans at the start of the off season hoping that they bring Aaron Rodgers would say, "Give me a playoff game this season, I'll be happy." Because of the nature of how teams have transpired and the fact that they're on hard luck, is it more than just a playoff game? Is it is it a playoff win? Is it a deep playoff run to satisfy the needs now of, of the team in terms of the ownership and what they've done to kind of support and um, Joe Douglas and support the head coach, and putting all these other additional players in? Because it's not just about Aaron Rodgers; like they brought in so many offensive weapons and the defense is stacked already. Um, is it a, a real serious need for them to make a real strong push this year? do you think it's very much, let's see a, a, a Jets team challenging again and playing meaningful football in December. Yeah, I think
0: if you're a, a logical football fan, you'd say the latter in terms of, look, you're on the longest active losing streak in, in the NFL in terms of seven seasons where you've had a losing record. But there, then the Tom Brady factor is there where there's a guy who walks in, who is the greatest of all time. Aaron Rodgers considers himself one of the greatest of all time. Tom Brady walked in and led a team to a Super Bowl and Aaron Rodgers will have every expectation he can do the same. He he is still, for whatever the stats told you about Aaron Rodgers last year, he was still effective. He's still one of the most gifted passers in the league, if not the most gifted passer in the league in certain circumstances. I think I wrote about this week that it was almost like he needed the Jets as much as they needed him in terms of the Jets were. It felt like the Jets were a quarterback away from from really challenging. I think Zach Wilson was just 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 never materialized. He, he came out of the blue in one season in college. The Jets eyes lit up at a few throws in practice in on his pro day, and that was that. And season down the line, it did feel like this defense was. I think it's top three last year. It was it was incredible. They've added to that this year with the with the bonus. of Jermaine Johnson will take another leap and and guys like Michael Clemens will take another lead. Quinn and Williams now has some, some help up front as well. And we, we've seen what they have in Source Gardner. And then you add weapons around Aaron Rodgers, you add his kind of guest list, if you will, his wish list in terms of Michael Hard, um, in terms of Randall Cobb and, and Alan Lazard. And one of the big factors, I think, is probably that offensive line. It was probably the, not the weakest point of the Jets last year, but the one point where you think, this is where the team could be won or lost yeah logical man would say you get back to the playoffs if you if you kind of if your eyes are lining up at am roger you think you, you kind of have to challenge this year the caveat people are forgetting is that not only do you have to beat uh josh allen's buffalo bills and, and two as dolphins but you also have to go on and beat patrick mahomes and uh justin herbert trevor lawrence joe borrow because the afc is unforgiving and that disparity between afc and nfc is is a very real storyline. Al Rogers isn't isn't used to to facing that much competition in recent years. So get back to the playoffs and then and then we'll see see where we go from there.
1: Get yourself to the dance as the saying and see how things go. But how, yeah. Well, yeah, great content ahead of us over the over the coming weeks on Sky Sports with hard knocks and obviously folks on, on the Jets this this off season and into training camp. Cameron, as always, really appreciate you giving up your time. I know it's a busy period for you, obviously very different stories uh, for Scottish Sports leading up to the new season. But we really appreciate, appreciate you having you on. I look forward to having you on during the season.
0: Yeah, thank you. Anytime. Anytime. Appreciate it, guys.